It's Ram season, which means it's time to serve with Ram 1500, Ram 3500, and Ram TRX. Hurry in now for great deals on the trucks that are built to serve. Right now during Ram season, get 10% below MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Ram 1500 Laramie. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. Contact dealer for details. Take retail delivery by 531-23. I was not at all surprised with it. I mean, I got to be pretty close with Colby. He knows what his mother has done, but it's still it's still hard on him. And so so there was a little bit of mixed emotions thinking about the, the family involved and, and others involved. Welcome to the global phenomenon, surviving the survivor, where we're all just trying to survive in a rough world. What's up, STS Nation, and welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor. This one forever will be known as the Sky episode. We've got two of them, and I will introduce them momentarily. Of course, we all know know by now that Lori Vallow-Daybell was found guilty on all charges of conspiracy to commit murder as well as murder and also a fraud charge. Uh, She now sits in the Madison County, Idaho jail, all alone there, awaiting sentencing, which could take a few months, which we'll talk to the defense attorneys about, all but certain to spend the rest of her life behind bars. Of course, it is the trial of the so-called doomsday mom, the wildly twisted story of a seemingly loving mother, a self-proclaimed devout member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who clearly veered way, way, way off course and became involved in the deaths of as many as five people, including her own children. Best guest tonight. You've seen her once before, and she is back. Sky Borgman is an American documentary film director and cinematographer, best known for her work on Sins of Our Mother, uh, the Netflix documentary about the Lori Vallow Daybell story. She also has directed a million other movies, including the highly acclaimed Abducted in Plain Sight, and Girl in the Picture, uh, and many other, as I said, critically acclaimed true crime documentaries. The Man with the Mahogany is famed Tallahassee defense attorney R. Timothy Jansen. He is a partner in the firm that bears his name. He's handled all sorts of civil, administrative, and criminal cases, also spending five years as a federal prosecutor. And Sky number two or Sky number one, whichever way you want to see her, she is an experienced corporate corporate and criminal defense attorney. She has successfully defended a broad range of criminal cases, including domestic violence allegations, sex crimes, drug crimes, property crimes, DUI, white collar crimes, homicide, violent crimes, and juvenile defense. She also has extensive trial experience representing clients in over 100 jury trials throughout her career, including some of Utah's most complex and high-profile criminal matters. And while she's not talking about it tonight, she is currently representing Corey Richens, that is the Utah mom accused of poisoning her husband with fentanyl five times the legal uh, lethal uh, dose, and then writing a children's grief book about the experience. I mention it because we did a show about it last night with Greg Scordis, who is representing the other side of the family. So, uh, it is a small world here at uh, Surviving the Survivor. Uh, we hop to a different case, and we have both attorneys uh, booked on this show. So uh, good to have both you and Greg Scordis, and now Tim Jansen and Sky Borgman. So 
Uh, very quickly, you can follow us on Facebook, Insta, Twitter. We are at Podcast STS. You can support us at Patreon and uh, YouTube, uh, become a YouTube member. We're going to have a, a special Patreon YouTube member event this Thursday, May 18th, with my lovely, I think that's this Thursday, with my lovely mom, Carm, who's cardboard cutout I forgot to put behind me, but she's here in spirit. And, of course, the merchandise store is open. Without further ado... Sky Borgman, you've been following this case from the very beginning. Um, how nervous were you prior to the uh, reading of this verdict, if nervous at all, and uh, your reaction to the uh, guilty verdict? I wasn't surprised uh, with the guilty verdict at all. I kind of was expecting that that is what was going to happen. Um, you know, there's so many mixed emotions that go along with it. I mean, I obviously got to be pretty close with Colby and uh, talked with people that were in Lori's family. And so I immediately thought about him and thought about how how difficult it must be. I mean, they don't have a relationship now. He He is very much, he knows what his mother has done, but it's still it's still hard on him. And so, so there was a little bit of mixed emotions thinking about the, the family involved and, and others involved, um, you know, watching the, what Kay and Larry were saying afterwards, you know, they're become pros in front of the camera. They have a mission, but I, I have to imagine for a lot of people, um, there were a lot of conflicting emotions, but I, I, I was not at all surprised at the verdict. And uh, I saw Larry give an interview after the verdict was read. He says this is really just the beginning because he wants to see uh, more justice served in the way of uh, Chad Daybell as well as uh, Charles Vallow. Uh, and we're going to be talking about that a little bit tonight. Did you have a chance to speak to Colby? And uh, if so, can you tell us what he said or no? I have. I haven't had a chance to speak to him. No, I think he's he's kind of he's kind of laying low right now. And that is understandable. Um, Ned Smith. Two skies, question mark, um, followed by this, one cloudy, one partly cloudy. <laughs> I prefer to see partly sunny and completely sunny. So that, that's my uh, take. Um, Sky Lazaro, you're new to the show. And we are, ve are very lucky to have you here. Um, what is your uh, sort of bird's eye view of this case? Um, you know, it's your first time on. This is about as heinous a crime as you can uh, come across, but what was your take? Because this was a really bizarre, bizarre story all around. It was, and Utah had some ties to it, so it, it got heavily covered here because of their prior connection to uh, Springville, Utah, and and the LDS religion. Um, it's I, you know, the allegations and now conviction are about as bad as it gets. Um, it's. These, these cases are, you know, hard for everybody involved in the family. Um, I wasn't surprised uh, by the verdict, especially I, I really expected them to convict her of the conspiracy. Following it, I wasn't 100 uh, percent on the murder uh, just because of really the lack of forensics in this case. You know, the, the majority of the state's case was you know, but essentially just assault, character assault on, on Lori. Uh, so, but it's, it's been, it's been an interesting one for sure. And uh, Tim, we didn't have you on for the uh, reaction show as a verdict was being read live. Any surprises uh, on your end or is this, did this go pretty much exactly the way you thought it would go? Yeah, it was no surprise. They probably went a little longer than I thought they would. Um, the defense really didn't put up much of a defense. 
not sure what their defense was other than to blame the husband that she was under some spell, uh, which didn't bode well for her. The crimes were so gruesome that there was enough, if there was enough evidence, they were going to convict her on everything. She had no redeeming value. She didn't testify. She, when they served her in Hawaii, where are your children? She's like looking like, where's my Mai Tai? Didn't care. Um, and I think the jury basically said, you know what? This is an evil person. We feel comfortable. They have enough evidence. Uh, the hair fiber on the tape. I'm good with this. I feel comfortable. And we're going to vote guilty. Simple as that. Um, to use Guy Borgman from Paula Agius, does anyone think one of the jurors will talk? I'm really interested in what they thought and what was debated in the seven-hour deliberation. I'll be honest. I'm surprised that uh, someone hasn't come forward yet. Um, this is kind of our world, more yours and mine, Sky. Uh, and, you know, we talked about you possibly doing a sequel to Sin to Our Mother. Um, do you think they will speak? And uh, do you think it was an open and shut case for them? Or do you think they struggled uh, a tiny bit? I, oh boy, I think someone will speak. I think, I think some jurors will probably come forward. Um, there are probably going to be a couple books that come out in the next, next year or two, I would expect from, from one or more of the jurors. I would hope that there was a lively discussion. I would hope that only because I think you have to do that as a juror. I think it's your responsibility to kind of look at everything, but I really don't think, I don't think there was much that you could argue that Lori was innocent or didn't do something. I think that the evidence was pretty overwhelming. Um, but I do hope that there was at least discussion. Yeah. For, uh, our, our justices sake, um, <laughs> sky to you, um, just the defense that, that Tim mentioned. Um, a lot of people, Jim Archibald was the lead counsel, um, he seemed kind of lackluster, and that's a kind <laughs> usage of the word. At one point, at the beginning of the trial, he was asked uh, about it, and he said, I don't even know why people are watching this. They should have better things to do in East Idaho. Um, and he just, I don't know, it seems like they had nothing. They didn't uh, present a defense, and then in closing arguments, uh, basically tried to throw Chad under the bus. Um, do you think he should have been more vigorous uh, in his client's defense? I think – in any case, especially a murder case, you should do something, you know, it's, even if it's, you know, even if you don't have a great defense, nothing and pointing the finger, I don't think is ever very effective. Uh, you know, they, at the very least could have found some people to say some likable things about her. I, I know she didn't, you know, she didn't help herself, you know, and all the things she did from the time the children went missing, you know, until she was incarcerated, but uh, you have to do something, you know, they ran competency, they, you know, I think there at least could have been some sort of diminished capacity defense, even if you don't get, you know, an absolute defense, because she's incompetent, I, I you, know, and, you know, I hate to pick on other lawyers, but I do think anytime you have a, have a case of this magnitude, where someone's facing potentially multiple life sentences. And at one point, the death penalty, you got it, you have to do something, you have to put on some sort of a case, just simply saying they didn't have enough evidence. And this was never going to carry the day. And uh, lawyer Sky, the great Tim Jansen has taught me that inside the courtroom, you, there's got to be some theatrics, it's a performance of sorts, where you've got to get the jurors involved. This guy, Jim Archibald, was more monotone than Stephen Wright, the comedian, if you know him. And um, and 
<laughs> and uh, I was just curious because some people, you know, they chalked it up to, well, th that's maybe the way they do business in Idaho. But um, do you find yourself in Utah, which is not far away, do you find yourself getting, um, you know, invigorated and animated on behalf of your client? Or do people act more like Jim Archibald in those parts? If you're a trial lawyer, you better have some of that in you. You know, jurors are generally not people who have had any experience in a courtroom or they're disqualified. So their only, their only, you know, view of the courtroom is what they see on TV. And I think on some level, there's some expectation and you at least better, better portray that you're passionate about your client's position, if you're going to be effective at all. Otherwise, you're just inviting them to convict them, I, you know, in my opinion. And that's exactly what seems like uh, it happened uh, in, in this case. Uh, Tim Jansen from TGQ, question, please explain the final report investigation before sentencing. Does this happen with every case? Thank you. By the way, I pulled that up. Um, so Judge Stephen Boyce, who presided over this case, uh, he did order a pre-sentencing investigation, uh, which obviously happens before she is sentenced, hence the name. And according to Idaho law, it must include the following aspects, and there's a long list, but basically a description of the situation surrounding the criminal activity, which she's been charged, her prior criminal record, her social history, including family relationships, her educational background, her employment background, her residence history, friend, and it goes on. Um, is this something we see uh, typically? Do you see that in Florida too, Tim? Well, you see it in every federal court, and you'll see it in, in cases of significance, not misdemeanor cases. Usually in Florida, if you have no prior criminal history, you're entitled to a pre-sentence report if it's a felony. You may see in this case that defense might actually wake up and they might try to use the mental health issues in the sentencing phase to try to save a life sentence. Maybe that's what they're that's why they didn't put her on. They wanted to save for sentencing, knowing they couldn't defeat the case. I, at least I hope so, because they really haven't done much to this point. And it doesn't matter if you're a public defender or you're privately retained or you're doing it pro bono. If you don't believe in your client, the jury will know within five minutes. And if you act that way, the jury is going to respond that way. So if you're not believing your client's innocent, and you're fighting for her life, the jury will know it right away. And, and people watching the trial see it. They can see it right away. And Tim, do you think they're um, based on the what, what most people seem to agree is a poor performance by the defense? Is that is that a. Um, possibility uh, for, you know, is that is that a. a a leg to stand on when it comes to appeal? Can they argue that? Well, they'll have an ineffective assistance after all the appeals. And the question's going to be, was it a trial decision or was it just plain incompetence? Uh, one is, did you want to testify and they told you not to? Judges take care of that. But could she have asked them to do something and they told her not to? Or they made promises to her like, hey, if you don't testify, we think we can get you this. They're going to have an ineffective assistance. Um, very seldom does it work. Um, and not every good public defender or trial lawyer is a good trial lawyer. There are a lot of lawyers who are good at getting plea deals, and that's their specialty. You have other lawyers who would rather try a case than get a plea deal. The, they hate the government, don't trust the government, 
And we know those people, Sky, right? Mm-hmm. Their yes, first thing is to get in trial, make as much money, even if it's at the detriment of your client. Mm-hmm. So, and prosecutors pigeonhole defense lawyers real quick. They know who can try a case and they know who's just going to take a deal. And it hurts some clients because they may not get the better deal because the prosecutor knows this lawyer is going to end up pleading anyway, so I'm not going to go too far. Sky Borgman, by the way, she's got those uh, whiteboards behind her, just like a film director would. She's mapping everything out. She's got her calendar up there. I can see some uh, scribble on that board. So uh, seen that before. I respect it. Uh, Nightwood says, sins of our mother was riveting. Any plans since I kind of hinted at it that we talked about it last time? Are you any closer to making a decision? Will there be a sins of our mother part two possibly? Look, I, anything is possible. Um, I, now that we're at the end of the trial, I think what I'd said before was if a lot, something really new comes out, um, then the possibility is there certainly for a follow-up. I personally don't think there was a lot of new information. There was certainly, you know, the DNA evidence, the, the hair on the tape, um, some of the text messages that went back and forth, the papers being served to Lori um, at the poolside papers being served was a piece of footage that I would have loved to include in, in my documentary. But, um, but anything is possible at this moment in time, I would say probably not. And can you tell us, uh, are you working on something now that uh, you're able to reveal or no? I can't reveal what I'm working on, but I, I rest assured yeah. I am working on a couple of different things. <laughs> it doesn't have to do with a mom in Utah who poisoned her husband because uh you know i was reading up on that um the other you know that sky lazaro is her uh defense attorney (laughs) we should talk (laughs) i'm trying to help you out sky borgman i'm trying to help you out thank you got the inside track and sky lazaro if you haven't seen sins of our mother i have it was was very well done yeah it was a very good show you know sky borgman's the real deal i want a uh, i want a finder's fee for that um (laughs) stephanie scott says anyone see Lori's new mug shot so uh sky borgman did you see it today what do you think i did i i don't know what to think i mean the braids um (laughs) i i i'm a little speechless i really am (laughs) i'm curious to get the woman's take on this um Sky Lazar, did you happen to see it? She's wearing like Pippi Longstocking braids. Uh, if you did, what were your thoughts? I actually haven't. I was just going to Google it. But yeah. <laughs> you should Google it. It's, it's, it's I'll another- do that. Here, just give me a second and I'll give, you, I'll give you my thoughts. Sky Borgman, they said that, um, you know, some people who looked at it said it appeared that she was even smiling in that mugshot. Did you see that at all? Uh, a little bit. I mean, I don't know if it's a smile, but it's, it's certainly a smirk. I mean, there is, you know, I mean, Lori's a bit of an enigma, really. Like you just never know what's going on behind her facade. Yeah. It's so weird. Cause Tim was talking about when uh, she was served those papers in Hawaii and there was no reaction. It was crazy. Um, yeah. yeah. It was, it's funny. I was, you know, I was talking to my husband this morning and, and, and about the case and everything that came out. And, and he said, what was the thing that shocked you the most? And I said, I said, it's, it's the thing that nobody's talking about anymore, which is that she just kept lying about where the kids were. I mean, that's, you know, we know it, but it's like, that's the thing that you just go, yeah, all the evidence or non-evidence that came out, but just that she maintained this lie for so long and continues to really. Yeah. It's wild. Uh, did you Google it? I did. What do you um, think? <laughs> well, I will say this, it's more emotion than I've seen on her face throughout the entire trial. And I don't know. How that 
bodes for her, good or otherwise. Um, it's not a great look. Probably, <laughs> probably advise her otherwise. Of that. <laughs> she, uh, yeah, yeah, she, she. Prison uh, is already jail took took a toll on her. Prison will definitely take a toll on her. Um, yeah, I think she. It's she's a fascinating. I mean, aside from the seriousness of this and the sadness of what actually happened, I mean, she's really an interesting case study as to what went wrong, like what happened, like where did this go wrong and how, and she's clearly not any better or different than she was before. You know, she, I read somewhere that she was mad at her defense team for being so hard on Chad and their closing arguments. And so yeah. it, I mean, from that standpoint, I mean, who knows what is going on in her head. Sky Borgman, I'm curious. It's funny. I don't think we'll ever have two skies on one show again, but I have to differentiate. But, uh, you know, Sky Borgman, you've had time, and I know you're not a therapist, but I mean, how, what do you think's going on personality wise? I mean, from, you know, she, she obviously was a follower, you know, Latter day Saints uh, church member. What do you think it was that took her on this crazy, you know, road i look i know the defense was saying the sorry the prosecution was money sex power um that was what they were saying I, I, religion didn't enter into the 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 conversation much at all i do think they go a little bit hand in hand i think she wanted fame in the in the biggest possible way she could get it and i think that fame to her meant being the queen to chad's king of of the chosen ones. I think she really, really did believe that and that her quest for that fame, her quest for being the best, for being the highest, for being the holiest. I think that's really where she exists. And, and that's, it just proves it more to me, like watching some of her reactions uh, after, after the after the, the verdict came out, just watching how she reacted to everything. It's like nothing, she's Teflon and like nothing bothers her. And I think it's because she really has this, this higher idea of herself. It's interesting. We had two therapists on one of them, my mother, and they were talking about how this whole world we live in now of, you know, Facebook and Instagram fame. And you're talking about how she desired fame. We're, we're starting to see, um, results of that kind of lifestyle already presenting itself so it's uh, i don't know if it's that but um there's certainly like a uh an egotistical side uh, to humanity that we didn't see prior to all these you know selfies and insta pics and all this other stuff um sky borgman barbara kern writes i recently heard that colby ryan was writing a book i think it would be a wonderful gesture of support for colby if everyone would purchase his book when it's released He's been through so much. Do you know if he is writing a book? Have you talked to him about that at all? Yeah, yeah, he is writing a book. One, I think he's writing the second book now. I mean, he had a first book uh, that he put out, but it's really about his spiritual journey throughout all of this. Hmm. MC Spunky already telling you that they need a second Netflix doc after all, and Chad's Lori's cases are finally mm -hmm. wrapped up. Uh, there's a new uh, viewer, Andrea. Shout out to her. Thank you for coming on. Um, Sky Lazaro, uh, a lot of people have been asking this question, so I'd love to put it to rest. But do the guests think she will face a death penalty, and do, you, do they think she should? Um, obviously not death penalty eligible in 
the Idaho case, she's going to be tried in Arizona, but that's a conspiracy charge, which I don't think is uh, death penalty eligible. I know you don't practice in Arizona, but um, do you know if there's any chance she could face a death penalty somehow? I, I don't know that offhand. I, I, I don't know that. I know in, in Idaho and in Utah, conspiracy carries the same, potentially the same um, penalty as the underlying charge. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't think that they would pursue a death penalty case in Arizona on a conspiracy charge. I, I mean, not to speak for the prosecutor, but I'm not sure that's a good use of resources for someone who's going to serve a few life sentences. Yeah. Tim Jansen, any uh, insight on that? I know you're in Florida. You're not in Arizona either, but. Well, I think she's right. Um, they have to spend their resources how they have them. If she's got life sentences in, in, in Utah, why would you in Arizona go and uh, waste all that? It's so much more expensive to do a death penalty case, swearing in a jury and you got to get your death qualified lawyers. Um, it's just much more expensive. And so they probably wouldn't. Um, Sky, I know I've been on this show so many times trying to explain conspiracy to people. I know. And some people think conspiracy or circumstantial evidence. And circumstantial evidence can be as strong or even stronger than direct testimony because we know eyewitness testimony is usually 50 50. Mm -hmm. uh, but circumstantial evidence can be very strong. Um, just like that piece of hair, that's direct evidence, but it's circumstantial evidence that she was involved. Of course, you could say, well, it was his blanket and it was transferred when she gave him the blanket a week earlier and it just happened to get on there and she really didn't know. Um, now, if you saw someone say doing the crime and her doing that, then you can say, well, it's direct evidence her hair was there. But mm -hmm. um, death penalty cases in Florida, it depends on where you live in Florida. In North Florida, they love the death penalty. South Florida, not so much. Uh, and it all depends on who the state attorney is and your jury makeup. Yeah, it gets, uh, state gets more conservative as you head north, for sure. Um, Sarah asks, to Sky Borgman, how hard was it for Sky B to do a documentary on such a confusing case? I'll let you answer this, Sky, but there are a lot of moving parts, a lot of family members, a lot of dead people. Uh, that's why she probably has five whiteboards behind her. But uh, Sky, how tough was it? It's tough, um, especially because it was an ongoing case and we didn't, we were finding out information as we were making the series. So it was incredibly difficult. And we went through a number of different structures to the three parts. And, you know, because when you look at the chronology of it, it's, it's, there's a few chronologies. It's how things actually happened. And it's also how we found out about how things happen. So it was, it was really a lot of moving pieces, a lot of things up on my walls um, to kind of look at, but, uh, and when the new, when the new documents came, I call it the document dump from uh, Chandler and Gilbert, and it had a lot of the text messaging that was happening behind them that, that proved motive that was, or that suggested motive. It, uh, it was a huge break for us. And, and so we had to sort of turn around and incorporate that into the series as well. And I'm curious, how much uh, leeway do you give your editors? I think I told you last time I worked for a short time for Michael Moore and uh, he had a main editor and he'd give him like, 
15 hours of raw footage and say, get this down to an hour or two for me. And then they would fight and they would throw things at each other. But how much leeway would you give your, uh, did you give your editors? I give them, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a relationship, you know, I mean, we both come into the edit bay and we bring our ideas in. I'm usually, I've got a pretty good plan when I go out into the field of, of what I want the story elements, who I need to get these story elements from and, and how I'm going to get those story elements from these people. And then I come back and I've got a, sort of a beat it out, you know, document that says this, then this, then this, and this. And then they start putting it together and they go, oh, it's not going to work at all. This needs to go here. This needs to go here. And so I give them a lot of, a lot of creative freedom to, to try things out and to move things around. And, uh, and then we come together and we watch it and we find the things that work and the things that don't work. Uh, I'd say the hardest part, honestly, is when we've both been in it for a long time and you can't, you can't see the forest for the trees where it's just, you have no idea if anything's working anymore. You have no idea if it's clear. And that's that's when it's great to get other people to watch it who who know how to watch these cuts and go, okay, this isn't clear. This isn't clear. This is really working. Yeah, I don't think people uh, necessarily realize how hard it is to make Sins of Our Mother look as good as it was or is. It's a, it's a very complicated process. So kudos to Sky Boardman. Um, can't go the show without one of these. Nightwood, Tim with the hair. Uh, so Tim with the hair over to this uh, from Angie Law. How might the verdict in Lori's trial affect Chad's case? So John Pryor, his attorney, was in the courtroom uh, not every day, but a lot. Uh, we made fun of him one day because he showed up in a T-shirt, apparently, uh, Tim. But um, outside of that, uh, how does this influence his upcoming trial, if at all? Well, I liken it to golf and someone's farther out than you and they're getting ready to putt and they putt and they do a really lousy putt. So they don't really give you a line. So they don't help you at all. I think that's what this case is. I think this defense lawyers didn't give them any line, anything to look for that would help them in their case. Um, I think the prosecution has already turned over everything to the defense. The defense lawyer probably knew what was coming. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if Chad testifies um, and see what evidence they have uh, on Chad that maybe, I don't know, is his lawyer court appointed also or is he paid for? Do we know, retained? I believe he's paid for, but I might be wrong. So uh, STS Nation, chime in if you know. But I don't know how he would pay him because I know he wasn't really financial. Is he court appointed, Sky? I, oh, sorry, go ahead. I know that, that they're, that for a minute, like somebody, they chatted, signed over his mortgage or something, but the money's gone. I mean, the money's far gone for anybody he was paying. It's kind of crazy. Uh, Kathleen Barrett says, I grew up with, with my mother saying pretty is as pretty does. Reminds me of Forrest Gump mm -hmm. a little bit. When I saw Lori's new mug shot, I thought ugly is as ugly does, followed by two skies and handsome Tim. Looking forward to hearing their pearls of wisdom. Um, Tim, speaking of that, um, the appeals process, uh, how does that even, uh, how do you begin to uh, negotiate that? Uh, who handles that for Lori Vallow moving forward? Does it, is it a 100% given that it's happening? Is it definitely not going to be Jim Archibald? Uh, <laughs> let, us, let us in on the secret. Normally, the trial lawyers don't do the appeals. Uh, they leave it for someone with a fresh face to look at it. People are specializing in appeals that like to read transcripts that are aware of the law. So probably have a court appointed lawyer to do that for her. She's probably not even thinking of appeals right now. Um, she's 
They're focusing on sentencing. Then she's going to be extradited to Arizona. Apparently, she's not going to, someone asked if she's going to get a plea deal. Um, I would think not. I think the prosecutor would be thrown out of office if he would reduce her sentence to help convict Chad. Uh, no reason to. They probably have a pretty strong case against him. Um, and it's not someone just like the Mark Kell case. You know, they wanted to give Mag Bonawa a deal. And that poor mother of the victim, you, you, don't, you don't get elected by letting murderers off to, after they've gone to trial. And it's not a usual pattern. So her lawyers will do the appeal. It'll be different lawyers. Uh, hopefully they preserved everything. Um, I didn't see the trial because obviously you couldn't watch it. So you can only get verbiage from what people were reporting. But the trial lawyers have to, they're working in the appellate court while you're trying the case. And if you don't reserve and preserve objections and evidence, then you've waived it. And that could hurt her appeal too. Um, Sky Borgman, you know, we talked about her affect, her personality. Uh, when the verdict was actually being read, uh, she had her arms crossed and looked a little indignant. Uh, a couple of uh, LDS members in the chat said that, that is a prayer pose, but I've done a bit of research and uh, the prayer pose involves the head being down, which it wasn't. So we're back to uh, people thinking she was indignant. How did you read uh, her reaction as that verdict was being read? I, I didn't read it as a prayer pose at all. Um, uh, indignant, I think, is, is a good word to describe it. Yeah. Does it surprise you at all? I mean, that she didn't, you know, there was. I just, I'm, I'm hard. It's hard to be surprised by anything anymore with it. You know, it's just, it's just one, one thing after another in her, to how much she doesn't care about things that, that most of us feel like we would care about is, is, is surprising, but not surprising. I mean, I would like to think that something is physically wrong with her brain and i've read that maybe there is where her amygdala um because it is it's chilling if you know if there's not and she's still acting this way um laura has a question for tim which i'm going to ask both lawyers uh let's start with you tim since it was asked of you now that you've seen the state case and the verdict for lori uh guilty on all counts what, what would be your strategy or advice for Chad if you were hired, uh, if you were retained by him? How would you go about this? Well, first of all, he's looking at the death penalty. So the first thing is try to get the death penalty off the table. If you can't get it off the table, then your goal, I would think, at this point was to try to not get a death penalty case. Try to get a life sentence, um, knowing what the evidence is going to be. Do all you can. Convince him to save money. And he'll take a life sentence right now and save the money, save the family from having to retry this, show these pictures of these poor children. And um, that's what I would be doing, knowing that you might have to try and try to get a life. And if you get a life sentence for Chad, that's a win um, in this case. Uh, Sky Lazaro, uh, if you were retained and you got your hands full with uh, Corey Richens right now, but let's say Chad Be Daybell called and said, you're in Utah. I got Utah connections. Uh, what would you do? How would you begin to uh, try to defend this guy? I agree with Tim. I think whenever you have a case where uh, death is a possibility, you do anything you can to uh, to get that off the table, whether that's, you know, beg for a plea deal, 
that's like life without parole or something along those lines. Um, and then really just focus on if you can't the, the mitigation aspect of the death phase, because I don't think there's probably much question that he's going to get convicted of the crimes. I think it's just going to be a matter of <clears throat> whether or not uh, they pursue the death penalty. Although I'll say this, I found the states, and I don't know that this is necessarily a defense, but I found the state's argument uh, in their closing somewhat interesting in that they they put most of the blame on on Lori as well, you know, that she was controlling him and those sorts of things. And where they're seeking the death penalty against him, that seemed a little bit, I don't know, counterintuitive in, in my mind. I don't, I don't know. Maybe they felt like they needed it to secure a conviction against her, but you know, they're, I think they're pigeonholed on that position now uh, when they try his case. So it might be possible to use that as leverage if you're his defense team and, and try to get a, a life sentence without putting the family through another trial and, you know, it, a lengthy appeals process plus the death, pen, you know, the death portion of it that happens after the trial. So, you know, I, that's that would probably be where I would focus all my efforts is, is trying to convince them to do that. And Sky L, uh, you mentioned this a little bit at the beginning about um, about Lori being upset uh, at her own defense counsel for the closing where they threw Chad under the bus. Uh, there is a rumor swirling that she was angry and reprimanded. We don't know if this is true. It's speculation. Um, what do you make of that? Uh, do you, I mean, taking off your lawyer hat, I guess, do you think she's still attached to this guy and didn't want them to badmouth them? Seemingly so. I don't know. Unless, unless, you know, she was just, you know, going to take the stoic plea and hope that that spared him, which is never going to be the case. I think it's pretty telling about where she is with regard to the deaths of her children and and also how she feels about him. I mean, she, they've been separated now for, you know, significant period of time. If she was going to, you know, get out from underneath whatever, you know, things she had with him, that has not happened. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Sky Borgman, um, same thing. Uh, you know, I know nothing surprises you, but do you think there's an actual, I don't know, for lack of a better term, love, lust here or something still going on that she, you know, reportedly was upset that they were taking shots at Chad in the closing arguments? Yeah, I absolutely do. I think, I think that um, there is still a, I don't I, I don't know what emotion to use, love, lust sort of between, between Lori and Chad. Um, there were, they certainly had that before all of this happened. And I believe she is still very, very, very committed to Chad. I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see how things play out in Chad's trial. I have a feeling that Chad may throw her under the bus, but I don't think Lori would ever do that back to him. Maybe until after Chad's trial. <laughs> yes. And and Sky Borgman has been uh, quoted uh, by numerous uh, media outlets about that, about Chad throwing her under the bus. But Tim Jansen, let me throw you a curveball. Let's say uh, Chad Daybell goes to his defense counsel to John Pryor and says, I'm still madly in love with this woman. Um, I'm her, uh, 
you know, storm in a teapot, which we'll get to in a minute. And, uh, and, and, and he says, I don't want to throw her under the bus. Do you have to take your client's advice on this? Can you have to then change your strategy? You have to consider your client's advice and recommendations. (laughs) You don't always take it because that's why they're your clients. (laughs) So you have to understand that. Um, you do have to consider that uh, there's going to be a trial strategy that they're going to eventually end up saying, you have to trust me. I'm the trial lawyer. It's a trial decision. We're not going to do this. I'll go much, much less or a little more subtle, but let me try the case. Otherwise, if you don't want me to do it, you can get a different lawyer, which is hard to do in a case like this when you got it going so long. It's hard to get out of this case. Mm-hmm. Um, but clients do do stupid things. Um they're not used to a trial. They're not used to rules of evidence. They're not, they don't understand cross-examination. And they want to do things that can muck up the case and really hurt their defense. So you have to control them from themselves. And that's um, what you're paid to do or appointed to do. Nightwood writes, is it possible that Idaho, Sky Lazaro, will offer Chad a plea deal? I know you practice in Utah, not Idaho, but is this a possibility? I would think so. Uh, I think it probably is going to be somewhat dependent on where the family is at on it. If the family's really pushing for them to pursue the death penalty, they're probably going to take that into consideration if the family comes to them and says, look, we don't want to go through another six weeks of trial. We don't want to go through the death penalty phase. We don't want to go through the, you know, numerous appeals that you get in a death penalty case that you wouldn't otherwise get. And really, if he takes a plea deal, his appeal rights are going to be limited almost to nothing. And so I I could see if, if the family came to the prosecutor and said, just just uh, you know, offer him a life sentence and and let's all move on. I think I think that's a good possibility. Um, you know, Idaho. You know, for I would say being a fairly red state, uh, has not sought the death penalty and you know a little while in a case and and it's not a state that has never-ending resources either. So, you know, I think all things, all those things being considered, I I think it could be a possibility now whether or not he would take that is another question but one and one thing i'm thinking right now uh tim jansen is that uh brian koberger the accused moscow idaho killer that's a death penalty case uh more than likely and Mm -hmm. uh that's going to happen the same year and idaho doesn't have a lot of death penalty qualified uh you know public defenders is that an issue in a small it, state. It is, but they could bring someone in. A lot of times you have people who are death qualified and they're not with the public defender's office. They're like conflict regional council and they get paid out of a different fund. But you have to have a death qualified unless he waives it. In Florida, you can waive a death qualified lawyer if you want a private re- lawyer retained. Um, I think there's no doubt Koberger, he's going to get the death penalty if he's convicted and they're going to, the prosecutors for sure going to, if he doesn't file for it, that person won't be reelected in, in that job. Tim, have you handled death penalty cases? I have been on them, but I'm not death qualified okay. because usually the people death qualified are 
former public defenders and conflict that have done them. I've been retained to act as second counsel, but you also have to have a death qualified lawyer. That's usually for mitigation and jury selection. It's the, the trial is the same, but it's for mitigation and you have to go to classes and get and, and criteria that you know what you're doing. It's to yeah. protect the record. It's a long process. I don't know his name, but I just saw a headline that uh, Florida is putting uh, to death uh, an inmate on death row who's been on death row for 40 years. So uh, it's happening, I think, at the end of this week or end of the month, but it is coming up soon. Um, Jan Garner, uh, this is for you, Sky Borgman. I wonder if Lori Vallow truly believed in the fantasy belief as she lied about everything. Was she believing in her own mind, everything that she was spewing, do you think? It's hard to say. I I believe she did believe it. I I find it really difficult to imagine that she had a hand in killing these children and could be so emotionless about it she has to have believed they went to a better place. She has to believe something like that. I think in every, every single piece of video we have every, you know, what I've heard from people who were there and watching her in the trial, her, her response when the verdict was read, it's just so almost emotionless. So she has to believe, I think in something, something greater or else she'd be feeling something. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's very weird. It's, it's, it's weird to imagine that she could, literally feel nothing. Um, Don Giovanni, um, Sky Borgman, you might know the answer to this. Will Lori be facing prosecution for ba Brandon Boudreaux as well as Charles Vallow? I was trying to figure that out myself today. Um, it sounds like they're still working on the Brandon Boudreaux piece. Is that right? That's that's what I understand as well. But, um, but I feel like today or something, I, I think there is going to be a trial for Brandon Boudreaux. Um, the people are talking about four more trials to come for Chad, for Charles, for Brandon. Mm, what's the other one? Tammy. I don't know. They're talking about four, but Brandon is, is one of them. Okay. And they family put out a statement. I'll read that in a, in a little bit. Um, Kelly J um, to one of the lawyers to Tim. How about you? Will Lori cooperate in her sentencing interview investigation or will she be silent and defiant, manipulative? Uh, how involved, it's a good question, because I didn't even realize that they had to involve her. How involved is the defendant in one of these uh, sentencing investigations typically? Well, they're very involved in federal court. Um, and in state court, they can be involved or not so much involved. A lot of times they don't talk about the facts of the case. They just give history about their health, background, education, it's military. Uh, we don't know what her mind is going to be, and maybe she's going to let the lawyers do the talking for her and play the game that I was I was under the spell of this guy. But knowing how they attacked him in the closing and she wasn't happy about it, she may not. She may be in love with this guy. She, she might truly believe what she did was for the best of those children. Um, you hope so, because otherwise she's a pretty evil person. Uh, the only way you can even understand what happened and her actions at the pool when they were asking where her children were. It's just mind boggling. But you know what? There are bad people out there. There are sick people out there. And then there are just criminals. Mm -hmm. And where she falls is going to, 
what that pre-sentence report is supposed to do, give a picture to the judge, what do I have before me? And, and then they give the ultimate sentence. Tim, is there any chance she's not getting, you know, multiple life sentences here? I would not bet $10 on it. I think she's going to get a life sentence. Um, she was convicted on all counts. Right. And so some of those counts, they can run consecutive to each other. So even though she didn't get life, she can get 20, 30 and run them all consecutive. Well, maybe not on the murder and conspiracy to murder, but the other ones, um, you got she, two separate murders. You got Tammy and the and the two children. So yeah, you can run those murder convictions. You can give them 25 years on each and run them consecutive. She's never seen the light of day again is the bottom line. So she may think I'm, I'm never getting out. So why do I need to cooperate? Interesting. And uh, they do that and they'll do that. Yeah. Um, to you, Sky Lazaro from Catherine, according to the law, technically, did Lori have to be there and physically commit the murder or was helping to plan included for the murder conviction? Well, the conspiracy is the is essentially the, the planning portion is that, you know, that her and at least one other person came up with a plan to commit. I was I don't have that the Idaho elements uh, in front of me. Some states require it. Some states don't. So I actually can't answer that <laughs> definitively. I apologize. <laughs> Here's another comment just to put you on the spot, which I'm not going to do. going to be interesting to see what Sky Lazar's defense will be regarding the fentanyl chick. We won't ask her, but when she's no. ready to let us know. She'll, she'll come on this show. Don't you worry. And I'll let, I'll let all you guys know. Um, from KCL in Salt Lake City, uh, Tim Jansen, can a public defender pay for an expert witness? Is there money allocated for that? There is money allocated for that. They're an indigency fund. Public defenders actually get a pretty good budget for experts in these kind of cases where a private lawyer does not. Uh, sometimes it's at the detriment of a private lawyer because they can't afford to hire these um, experts. So sometimes I get them found indigent for costs so that, especially in a murder case, we have now going on, well, we got four experts, some really good experts, and we got the court going to pay for them because these people, they can't pay for them and lawyers at the same time. It's just cost prohibitive. Hmm. Sky Lazaro what if she from Grey Goose, uh, what if she had admitted to the crimes to her lawyers and they were really hamstrung by what they knew? Um, does that happen? And how do you uh, how do you deal with that as a defense attorney? That is a possibility. Um, you know, if, if clients tell you something or you know something, you you can't put or allow them to testify otherwise or or um, you know, do anything along those lines. So it can certainly hamstring you if there's, you know, in cases like that where your clients do tell you that and you think there's another potential defense that could be made, you know, you're sometimes better to just conflict yourself off the case and tell them to go get new counsel so that, you know, they can put on a better defense. That's absolutely true. Um, I've had people come to me after they've failed a polygraph that I didn't know about. I learned later on that they failed a polygraph. And if you're in trial and it happens, what happens then, Joel, is that you go to the judge and say, Your Honor, my client wants to testify. 
I'm asking if I can have him testify in a narrative, meaning you're not suborning perjury by asking the questions a certain way. You'll say, okay, Mr. Smith, um, what happened? <laughs> okay, what happened after that? Okay, uh, thank you very much. I mean, everybody in the courtroom knows what you're doing, and you let the prosecution know too so they don't object. But sometimes a jury might not know, but that's the one way you can get around it. Angela wants to know from Tim, uh, do you think Arizona should be pursuing uh, prosecution of Lori? Some talking heads don't think so. Tim's not a talking head. The guy's a brilliant mind. So, Tim, what do you think? I think they should. I heard I heard one fact today, and I don't know if it's true, that she went to Burger King while he was bleeding out before they called ambulance or police. Um, you know, victims want their cases to be adjudged, and they want the people who committed the crimes to be convicted. Even if they don't get another day in jail, they want them to pay, and they want to know that they were that their murder wasn't in vain. And I, I think that it should be done. Uh, Arizona can afford to do it, uh, and I think they should do it if the victim's family want to pursue it. And Sky Lazaro, uh, Nightwood wants to know which verdict would take precedence, Idaho or Arizona? Is it first come, first serve? Well, <laughs> kind of. Um, she'll be can, she'll be sentenced in Idaho before she uh, is extradited to Arizona, based on the statement that I saw that came out of the Arizona uh, the office down there. Uh, and so, essentially, she'll be serving uh, her life sentences uh, in Idaho. They can toll that time, you know. If they, if they, if Arizona takes her to try her, anytime she sits down in Arizona, uh, where she's awaiting, you know, pretrial um, phase in the Arizona cases, uh, you uh, Idaho does not have to give her credit for that time. So, you know, and it could be that because she's been sentenced in Idaho first, that case would take precedent. So, whatever happens in Arizona, if she's convicted and sentenced. You know, a judge could run them concurrent with whatever she's serving in Idaho or could, you know, run them consecutive. So, you know, it could be, I mean, she could have, by the time this is all done, hundreds of years. And in most states, and I know um, Utah's like this, Idaho and Arizona is also like that. Um, if with multiple victims, uh, you're, you're usually looking at a consecutive type circumstance where it's it's crimes of homicide or you know serious crimes like that so uh tim jansen old lady snoop why no intense research before sentencing alec murdoch do we know i mean he was just well, there was no pre-sentence report required he was facing a minimum mandatory life sentence at that point the judge doesn't need to have a pre-sentence report once you're convicted he adjudicates you he's he's got in florida you have mandatory life sentences once you get convicted, you can be sentenced right there. And I've had it done the same within 15 minutes of the verdict. The judge goes, I sentenced you to life. Uh, so it can happen. Wow. Harsh, but you get it over. It's like ripping the Band-Aid off. Um, Sky Borgman, Paige Matthews, does anybody know if she and Chad still communicate? Do you, do you I mean, I know you don't, you know, you're, you're not talking to them every day, but uh, you probably have sources and know people. Are they still somehow in touch? I believe they are. Um, I know, I mean, there were people talking about them going through portals to see each other. 
Um, there was, you know, certainly, certainly some talking back and forth um, for a while. I don't know if they currently are not. I would imagine if they can, then they will. Um, and Sky Borgman, and then I know you have to get going in a minute. Uh, Brandon Boudreaux's family released a statement today, starting off with, we are very grateful to all who have been involved in this and corresponding cases over the past several years. It goes on and on. And then toward the end, our judicial process cannot bring back loved ones, nor can it heal those left behind uh, missing them. We will choose to lean on our faith for healing and express gratitude to the jury of our peers who had to face those horrible things to help bring about resolution. Um, what about these, you know, these victims, these families uh, that are still dealing with all this after the fact? I saw Lori's cousin interviewed on television the other night, you know, kind of removed, not really that involved in the family, but knows Lori. Um, she was, you could tell she was kind of shell-shocked. I uh, said so the whole family's dealing with it. So what about all the, the victims and all this collateral damage? Look, it's what people don't talk about all the time, right? Is the families and that and and how they feel and how how something like this affects everybody. And look, Brandon, if if, if he goes to trial, that could impact the family even more because there may be criminal charges pressed against his ex-wife, Melanie Boudreaux Palowski. So, if something happens there, it's yet another hit on this family. So it's it's huge. I mean, I think. I, my heart goes out to the families, even, even if they supported Lori and then didn't support her. I mean, with Lori's mom, especially like she's been very conflicted about how to feel. She supported Lori forever. Summer, her sisters supported her for a long time until they kind of had to really come to grips with what Lori did. So it's, it's hard. It's really, really, really ch challenging for these families, no matter what, no matter, they know Lori did it it still hurts their hearts that, that somebody that is their family did something like this. And uh, you don't get Sky Borgman to come on every day. So one final kind of big question. Um, the thing everyone's kind of making fun of is the use of the word storm, which is a euphemism for Chad's manhood that they were Lori and Chad were texting about and how she gripped the storm. I mean, I, I, I read that and I was incredulous. Um, I don't have teenagers yet, but I've got three kids that are on the way to being teenagers. And I would make fun of them if they spoke like that as teenagers. <laughs> what in the world was going on here? Is it like, is it arrested development? Um, I, I just couldn't wrap my head around the way they were talking to each other. I, I, I know. I, I agree with you. I can't wrap my head around it either. They were clearly using a lot of code words or letters to represent things, um, trying to maybe use code so people wouldn't know what they were talking about. I, I don't know. I mean, it's so it's so confounding. It's it's like they are teenagers. I mean, some of these text messages going back and forth, referring to these atrocities, and they're they're using childish words. It's it's a it's a really, really strange way of communicating. Well, Sky Borgman, we love having you on. You're welcome anytime. When you're ready to announce your next film, please uh, please join us for that announcement. It'll, it might be the same time that uh, Sky Lazaro uh, <laughs> is going to talk to us about her defense. Maybe maybe the new movies about the the Utah mom. Who knows? Maybe we, we're going to all get caught off guard. But Sky, thank you so much, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you the next time you're on. And uh, Sky Lazaro and Tim Jansen, we'll just go a couple more minutes. Perfect, everybody. Thank, Thank you, you Sky. Thanks. Um, so back to this uh, mugshot. It's kind of funny. Uh, 
First of all, Diane C. says the defense came across as lazy, followed here by the uh, the pigtails, easy maintenance in prison. Um, Sky Lazaro, you, you don't look like you'd enjoy jail or prison very much, but you have clients that go there. Um, and we're going to have, by the way, tomorrow night, we're going to have some women and a gentleman who's super fascinating, uh, who served hard time. They're going to talk about what she's going through right now. Um, how do you think she's going to fare in that system, especially in light of the fact that she's now convicted for killing her own young children? I actually think she'll do okay. She seems to be institutionalized in a way, maybe even before coming, you know, coming to prison with the way she's sort of dove into this thing with Chad. Um, you know, it's hard to say, but, you know, prison in some ways is a little better than the county jails that they hold you in uh, prior to uh, your trial and, and being sentenced to prison. Uh, they have more resources. There's classes. You can go outside. There's a yard. I know most of our county jails here in Utah, uh, you, these people don't get to go outside. I mean, I've had people sitting in jail for you know, two plus years waiting for a trial and sentencing and had not, have not seen the light of day, you know, aside from maybe a, a ride to the courthouse on occasion. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, she's, she's a hard read. I, nothing seems to bother her. So maybe she'll do just fine. And maybe she believes that this is the way it's supposed to be because she believes her kids are in a better place. I, you know, it's, it's hard to say. She's she's not a sobbing mess. I don't think we're going to see her on suicide watch. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. If she really believes that her kids were zombies, if she truly believes that there were zombies in there, uh, in those bodies, then maybe she is at some sort of level of peace and comfort in some yeah. twisted, perverted way. Um, Tim, I won't even try to pronounce this person's name. Road Scholar, maybe? I don't know. Uh, Tim, does the prosecution benefit now that they have uh, now that they have the Lori case behind them? Will they have an advantage since they have now seen the evidence played out? That's a good point. Well, what evidence have they seen? They've only seen the evidence that they presented. Um, so they should have known what they presented. It will help that they can see how their witnesses came across on cross-examination, how they did on direct examination, but they really never saw a defense that they had to really diffuse. They didn't have to call any rebuttal witnesses. Uh, so they should know. It's not like the defense lawyer finds it out that never saw how they're going to portray these witnesses. The prosecution knows. They're the one making the case. They charge this. Uh, so they're not surprised. It'll give them a little... It will give them familiarity with the case, and they'll see where the hiccups were. They'll see what some of the objections were, what they may, need to do, maybe not open the door to certain things that they may have opened for the defense. Uh, it will help the prosecution. They're doing all the work. Of course, they have all the, the responsibility. They're prosecutors. Yeah. Um, Heather, uh, hi, Tim. If you had been Lori's defense attorney, how would you have argued the fact about her hair on the tape? Um, if we go back in time to that, uh, it was a tepid defense at best. And he basically, Jim Archibald, argued, if I remember correctly, about how, you know, testing can be inaccurate instead of saying, you know, look, she was his mom. It could have right. just fallen. So how would you have done it differently, Tim? 
I wouldn't have argued testing unless I had my own expert. I would have argued transference um, and that that child and that blanket and her hair. Of course, I'm the mo- she's the mother. She's going to have her hairs near her child. Um, transference is very easy to do, and it just happened to get there. You don't even know it. You transfer hairs every time you brush your hair, every time you, you mess your hair, and my hair especially. My hair seems to be a big thing on this this podcast. But <laughs> I would have attacked the transference more than – because you can't really attack an expert without an expert, right? It's not a fair fight. So they didn't have to – they needed to fight the evidentiary side. How did it get there? It means nothing. Of course it's there. It's his mother. Of course it's there. It's a blanket. It's a baby. Of course the hair is going to be there. That means nothing. No more questions. <laughs> next, time, next time Tim Jansen is uh, litigating, I'm going to be in that courtroom. I want to see it. Um, Angela, if Lori, uh, to you, Sky Lazaro, has a change of heart, can she testify against Chad in his trial? I'm sure the state would love to have her potentially, or maybe not because she's a little uh, off kilter. I don't see why she would. It doesn't get her anything at this point. And so I don't, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I guess she could. I mean, if she's got these pending cases or these, I guess they're not chart, not pending yet, but these cases coming out of Arizona, you know, the last thing, if you're her attorney, you want her to do is to take the stand anywhere uh, and say anything. So it's, it's probably not likely that we will see her testify and, you know, at this point where she's been convicted, I, I see little, I see little point unless she's going to get up there and say, you know, I did it. He had nothing to do with it, but. Um, and, and Sky to you, there's a person named Toy White asking if mental health can be argued at sentencing. I don't think that's the case because mental health defense wasn't allowed in, in this trial, but can they somehow plead? I think they the can. I think they can at sentencing. Yeah. On one mitigator, mental health, she may not get a life sentence. And how, uh, Tim, how would what would they have to do? Would they have to bring in some sort of expert at sentencing or during this oh, investigation? Sure. Oh, oh, sure. You can bring a mental. You can bring experts in at sentencing. It's like mm-hmm. a mini trial. Sentencing is usually a mini trial, and I think so, that's not what they're going to do and try to prevent a life sentence. Wow, and uh, Sky, do you agree with that? I, I do, and the way Idaho and Utah are somewhat similar in the way they handle their pre-sentence reports uh, and the investigation phase of that and the way their sentencing matrices are set. And so I, I absolutely would do that if I were her attorneys at this point and, and hire an expert, have her assessed whether she wants to do it or not, uh, and and do what you can to try to mitigate as much as you possibly can because it it is a it is a mitigator on the matrix and uh tim i've got a lot of people responding i'm, I'm kind of like delayed here with comments but kcl from salt lake and a bunch of others say that john Pryor is paid a uh, venus gal says he now owns chad's house private attorney uh does that does that change the game uh does that change the game the fact a lot of people say John Pryor owns Chad's house, which is kind of funny. <laughs> probably does. He probably does. Uh, but um, but does it change the game? Does that I mean, do you necessarily are you necessarily getting um a lot more for your buck by hiring a private attorney? Or are there good there are good public defenders out, out there too, aren't there? Of course there are. And so you're not getting you're not getting a Tim Jansen now. 
there are a lot of no, there are a lot of very experienced public defenders, and they get a they get a bum rap. Uh, they'll say, "I don't have a lawyer; I got a public defender," which is not true. You might have a really busy or inexperienced public defender on your case, but it shouldn't be on a death penalty or on a murder case. They only assign the most experienced prosecutors and defense lawyers. So you could have a really good lawyer. Um, it, paying your lawyer doesn't mean anything. You, you know, they're lawyers also. They're trained and they're going to do the best they can. It's just some people don't have the heart in some cases. I saw a comment here that the, the public defender said in his opening that he was appointed to represent. That would be horrendous if he said that. That's basically telling the jury, I don't like her. I'm only here because I was appointed. Mm. And judges do all they can to, to make sure that the jurors don't know you have a public defender because they don't want to have you think less of them because they can't and that you're paying for their lawyer. So if the lawyer said that, I, I would have a lot less respect for them if they said that in an open court in an opening. That's got to be an issue on, uh, on appeal, too, right? It could be. Mm -hmm. It actually could be. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, Tim, G. Hurst says, how can John Pryor do Chad's trial when he is not death penalty certified? I don't know that he's not, but if he's not, how is that possible? He can do it if they, they also appoint a death qualified lawyer to sit with him. You can sit second chair or he can waive it. In Florida, you can waive a death penalty qualified because you always have a constitutional right to a lawyer of your choice. And that choice can even be yourself. So, and we've seen trials where people try, they represent themselves. And, uh, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. We'll go just a couple more minutes because I, I don't want Sky to hate us and never come back. But uh, Brianna writes, uh, Chad will likely have a change of plea to guilty on the eve of his trial. What do you think the possibility of that happening is, Sky Lazaro? We kind of touched on this a minute ago. Hey, if they can, if they can get a a life sentence uh, out of this. I think he should. And, and I do think it, I think it's possible. I think, you know, like I said, I think it'll be somewhat dependent on uh, how the family feels and, you know, whether or not it's, you know, worth the state to, to pursue the death penalty. If the family's got really strong feelings, they, they may never make an offer uh, of that, but I, I think it's a possibility. Uh, language of horses. It's a, a beautiful language. I love horses. Uh, will Judge Boyce send her to a mental hospital? Tim, I didn't even think that this was a remote possibility, but you're saying that there is a scintilla of a chance that during this mini trial called sentencing, they bring um, an expert witness on who says, look, she's just batshit, you know what, and, uh, and they send her to a mental hospital. There is a, ch a slight chance this could happen. No, she's not going <laughs> to a mental hospital. Okay. They can introduce evidence that she had didn't she lacked the mental capacity to understand what she was doing or she was under a spell to lessen the prison sentence. Okay. She's not going to a mental hospital. Uh, absolutely not. The judge is going to be sending her to prison. And it really doesn't matter if she gets life on one count. They're going to be stacked. She's never going to get out of prison unless she gets a new trial. So we're making a big deal of it. I mean, the sentence, life, life. Reality, she's, not, she's never going to get out of prison unless her appeal overturns it and something, some miracle happens. 
Uh, this question from June was asked, uh, it's kind of a rhetorical question at this point, did Chad's children still believe he is innocent? And the uh, short answer to that is yes, um, or they're just not living in reality. By the way, shout out to Collier Landry, who's in the chat. He has a podcast called Moving Past Trauma that Carm and I were on. Uh, he is well known for Murder in Mansfield, a documentary by, by Barbara Koppel, who is an Oscar award-winning documentary filmmaker. Uh, he was featured in that movie, uh, his story that his father murdered his mother. Uh, ask Collier. Collier says he loves his father still. Uh, so it shows you the plight of uh, these children, uh, and, and Collier's in his 40s now, and Chad's children are older. But, uh, you know, I know that Collier does not believe in his dad's innocence, but for some reason it appears that Chad's children do, at least for the time being. Uh, so uh, that's how it goes. Shout out to Chad. And he's got a new uh, podcast coming out called Survivor Squad. Survivor Squad. So check that out. Meanwhile, uh, just to close things out and put a bow on it, uh, people were asking about, is this Arizona stuff happening? And the Maricopa County uh the attorney's office has made the state of Idaho aware of our intent to prosecute the defendant in Arizona. Uh, it's a formal uh, statement regarding extradition. Tim, is this just uh, sort of standard operating procedure? Was there ever any question that Arizona would not want to prosecute uh, Lori Vallow? There was never a question about it. And uh, they made it known. They let them know extradition. They have to do an extradition. <laughs> My dog is attacking me right now. <laughs> that's but, all good. Um, we love dogs, so that that's yeah, we do. Uh, yeah, they were gonna. There was no chance they weren't gonna charge you in Arizona. And uh, Jennifer Jansen says, <laughs> "I'm over this. Let's got get on to Corey. So uh, you better be careful." By the way, am I pronouncing her name? Is it Corey? It is. It is okay. Yeah. Uh, good boy, Tim's dog. So. A big thank you goes out to Sky Borgman. Obviously, she is the director of Sins of Our Mother about the Lori uh, Vallow Daybell story. She also directed Abducted in Plain Sight and Girl in the Picture. Uh, and then we have Sky number two, who's really Sky number one. Uh, they're both they're both number one. Sky is an experienced corporate and criminal defense attorney. She has successfully defended a broad range of cases from domestic violence to uh, sex crimes, drug crimes, property crimes. I read she also handles some white collar crime stuff, as well as some of the uh, cannabis issues in the great state of Utah. She does it all. And she is currently representing Corey Richens, the Utah mom accused of poisoning her husband and then writing a children's grief book about the experience. Uh, you make it sound really bad when you say it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. See, she's a good defense attorney. I'm going to let you come back on and I'm going to let you lay out your case <laughs> okay. whenever you're ready to do that. But um, just in closing, regarding uh, Lori Valadebel, uh, what happens next? Obviously, the sentencing, and then this goes to Arizona. But what is your long term forecast, pun intended, with Sky for uh, Lori Valadebel? I mean, she's, she's parked in prison, whether it's it's in Idaho or whether they transport her down to Arizona to face uh, those charges or when they charge. Um, so I don't, I don't foresee there's, I think procedurally there's a lot that will happen as far as an appeal process uh, and those types of things. Um, but, you know, aside from litigation, you know, I don't, her, her, her 
future is, I think, a foregone conclusion. By the way, Sky Lazaro, everyone was commenting about your beautiful backdrop. And then this from Milton. That was my grandpa's name, Grandpa Milton. Sky, mineral oil or a mixture of milk and water to make your house plant leaves shiny. You learn something new every day uh, on Surviving the Survivors. So whatever that's, whatever, for whatever that's worth, that's the uh, advice you're getting from STS Nation. Baby Doll says, STS fam, Tim and his sexy hair. I love it. Uh, for those who don't know Tim, if you've been watching this show, then you've been living under a rock. He is a... Famed Tallahassee defense attorney, R. Timothy Jansen. He's a partner in the firm that bears his name. He's handled every kind of high-profile, profile, low-profile, mid-profile case you can imagine. And he was a federal prosecutor for five years. Uh, Tim Jansen, how does this all end for Lori Vallow Daybell, um, in your opinion? She's going to get life. Um, they'll put on a dog and pony show in the sentencing and the judge will find uh, sentence her to life or give her 20 years, 25 years of each count, run a consecutive. She'll go to Arizona. It'll be another circus. Um, I doubt she'll flip on Chad. Um, I, I doubt that. She's going to take the ultimate sword, come in here and say, I did everything now. I don't, I don't think so. A couple people asked my dog's name. His name is Windsor. And he's about 15 months, Bernadoodle, Bernese Mountain Dog and a Poodle. Good and he's boy, a crazy man. dog. <laughs> and they said he has good hair. Too. <laughs> Maybe you need to come to Florida. I mean. Get over here, Sky. You got to get out of the mountains. Um, so just a quick programming note for everyone here. Um, first of all, thank you for watching. Secondly, tomorrow we will have Larry Levine, an ex-con who served time in the federal prison system and knows more about the prison system than just about everyone, along with Jackie Polverari, who was also in prison, and two others who spent hard time, uh, women, in the prison system to tell you what uh, Lori Vallow is experiencing as we speak right now, although she's still in jail and not in the state system, which she will be uh, in Pocatello, Idaho, according to most reports. Uh, and then on Wednesday, we have good Lori Hellis and the one and only Gigi McKelvey of Pretty Lies and Alibis here to give us their recap of the whole Lori Valadebel saga and what their experience was like covering it from the courtroom. Until then, love you, America. Love you, Tim Jansen. Love you, Sky Lazaro. Love you, Tallahassee. Love you, Salt Lake City. It's Ram season, which means it's time to serve with Ram 1500, Ram 3500, and Ram TRX. Hurry in now for great deals on the trucks that are built to serve. Right now during Ram season, get 10% below MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Ram 1500 Laramie. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. Contact dealer for details. Take retail delivery by 531-23. Final seconds of the game, a chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. 
Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.